Welcome back to the Mysteria podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Marcus De Silva, and I am joined by Coach Sal. Coach, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm very excited. So we've been doing uh, classes. We've been doing one-on-one privates for, I guess, a few months now. Yep. And I love it. It's fantastic. I love coming to Clinch MMA, where we're recording on live on location. And what I really appreciate is you're really good about answering my questions, like even while we're drilling and doing stuff like that. But I'm like, I just really want to like, want to like sit down, like really get in depth on some of this stuff, because um, you have a great martial arts mind, and I just really appreciate people who are really good at what they do. And so it's always just great just to like pick their brain and. You know, so I'm very excited. To I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And pick away. Go for it. Yeah. So uh, do you want to, well, I should, probably should ask you where you wanted to start to begin with, but you've done a lot in your own career as a fighter, as a coach, lots of different things, um, judging, refing. Um, so why don't we talk about what goes into a fighter? Because I know you said you had notes for that. So one of the topics that I wanted to talk to you about was just like in general, like what makes a good fighter? Or actually, well, my, what I actually message you is what, what makes an average, a good, and a great fighter? So oh, the distinctions. Man. You gotta look at, you have to go back to the mentality. Uh, let's take a look at, for example, like a gym. Mm. Someone walking into the gym. It's, when someone just walks into the gym and their whole MO, yo, I wanna fight, I wanna come in, I wanna have a fight, I wanna fight. <laughs> Usually those guys, they train a bit and then they go MIA, they, they can't hang with it, right? Okay. It's guys that come into the gym, super humble, they could be just a regular Joe or just an average guy, just you know, working at the bank or at the you know, coffee shop or just anything. And they come in, they start learning and they pick things up real fast. And then they start hanging with the amateur fighters and they're doing really well with the amateur fighters and they're doing pretty decent with the pro. Then the coach usually steps in and says, hey, do you ever think about competing? You know, as, as they're already progressing right. pretty well through the ranks, then you can see, you know, it's about time you should test yourself now. Mm. So that's how we get into like fight. That's how I get into picking my fighters. It's, okay. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a curse when you get fighters from different gyms coming in because they have their own mentality. They have their own ways of doing things. And it's not really sometimes going to mesh quite with the way you have, the way you have things set up for your fighters already here. So it's better to have, to build them up from scratch with kind of what you want them to do, right? And how you want them to do it. Mm-hmm. So funny about humble, right? So the the first, uh, well, not even the first few. Like every time I come in the gym for a session, especially in the first few, because I was doing like very very little MMA training when I was in England, and then that was like two years ago. And then when I showed up here, like I was just like, I could walk on the mat, and like that was like the level of <laughs> like that's all I could do, right? And it was funny because the one thing that I say to anyone, you know, my friends and whatnot, yeah, ask me about how things are going, I'm like. It's such a interesting feeling when we're just doing work. And in my head, I think like if this guy wanted to just beat the, like just whoop my ass, there's nothing I could do about it. And it's so funny because obviously you wouldn't do that because you know, we got a good relationship thing going, but it's just like that, that fact about like, man, like it's just such a, it's really a humbling feeling. But I actually find that because I've been, you know, we've been doing this once a week for a few months now. Like, I actually noticed that feeling translates elsewhere in my life where, like, I'm actually, like, quite a bit calmer and I'm just, like, you know, like, just let things go. Like, I'm, like, because you kind of have a feeling and and even, like, when we do some drills and, like, you put a little heat into some of those shots, I'm like, holy shit. You know, like, it's just that feeling of, like, man, you know, just that humbling and mm-hmm. 
There's levels. <laughs> there's levels. <laughs> there's levels to it, and and there's two types. Well, there's more than two types of people, right? And and I think that you you're you're so into your training, and, and you like asking questions, and either you can run away from the fact that you're you're taking the heat and it's bothering you, or you can embrace it and learn it and learn how to defend it. And I think that's kind of what you're doing. And you know, some people that I train, they, they only want to get fit. They don't care about the technical right. aspect, right? Okay. But I think with you, you already came in fit. And you're trying yeah, to Yeah, the fitness you, is good. Yeah. <laughs> We're okay there. You're fit. And then, you know, got some, we got a world record, so yeah. obviously you're super fit. And then uh, with that, it's pretty easy for me to, you know, to, to add some tools to you. It's not that difficult for me. Mm-hmm. And what do you do when you have those people who come in who are kind of like, yeah, I want to fight and like have that bit of that ego? Um, what do, you, do you just kind of let themselves, like as you said, you just sort of let them punch themselves out because they just sort of float away? Or do you kind of try to... Because you, you're also playing the role as a, a coach and a gym owner. So that's a bit of a different framework as well, you know? 100%. So, like, I, I grew up in pretty much the gym my whole life, you know? Right. Like, I'd say over four decades I've been in the gym. Over four decades. <laughs> over four decades. That's so cool. I spent in the mat, <laughs> on the mats, right? And, and I've, I've learned all different styles of training. And the one martial art that, I, that I've, you know, modeled my gym behind was, was Muay Thai. And, and mm. when I went to Thailand... Um, the second time I was there for four months and I, I picked a gym. The first time I went, it was a little bit more fun. I went to like Phuket and it's kind of like, it was a bit more, uh, more relaxed for me. I, I had a fight okay. there. It was fun. You know, we went out there, but it was more out in the, in a, in a, in an island or an area that you can kind of see a lot more. There's beaches there. There's, okay. there's a lot more parties there. It's a sure. lot more to get distracted there. Right? <laughs> right. The second time I went, you know, I was there for four months and I, and I decided to stay in Bangkok and kind of like in a, in a really like rundown area. So there's no distractions mm-hmm. and it was a lot different. And, and at that gym environment, uh, you go in there, you show up there and there's really no foreigners there. So I was kind of the only foreigner there. Okay. And the warm up was like this. You walk in there and you don't talk. You just do what they ask you to do. So you skip for 30 minutes, and then after you skip for 30 minutes, and, and you, don't, you don't stretch your calves, you don't do right. nothing else, you don't check your phone. You know, you're just skipping, and you look beside you, the young kids are skipping, you know, the 8, 9, 10, 13-year-olds are skipping, then there's the teenagers are skipping, then there's the champions that are skipping, and you're, and you're training right beside these guys. So you see how these champions are built, and you see how the next generations of champions are built. So you just follow these guys. And then when you're shadow boxing, and even if you don't know how to punch, you're not going to sit there and ask the trainers right now, and you don't even know them how can I punch how can I kick you just follow the champions in front of you that are on the mat you look at them and you follow them and and here I am I I can't speak any of their language and I just follow these guys and I'm following them I'm humble and I follow them and then we do shadow boxing then then we hit the bag then we hit the pad and then we clinch after but this went by for three weeks and what I noticed in those three weeks was that in the beginning the first three four days they put me with their low-end trainers Okay. Right? And then as I kept showing up to the gym every day, every day, every day, then the medium trainers were training me. Right. Then I, the third week came and I never, sk- I never talked. I was humble and I just stayed at the gym and I lived at the gym and I ate with them and I just kept showing up. Then I seen the top trainers and I seen two or three trainers standing beside me. Then the gym owner is moving me around and then I have five trainers on me fixing my technique because I never asked for nothing. I just showed up in the gym and I was just humble and I listened to what they say and I just did what they said. I never asked what I wanted to learn that day. I just right. listened to them. And I, and I, trained my fighters and I trained my class when I came back exactly like that and guys come in from different gyms and they want to fight first thing I look at is if you can skip and what you're doing when you're skipping if you're focused in on your skipping if you're talking to the person beside you if you're stretching your calves these I know and we go these are all stalling techniques right and, and, and as an athlete <laughs> yeah, myself yeah, like yeah. I said I spent for, for, for decades in the gym, I'm sure I've, I've, I've done some of these stalling techniques myself but I know when I was stalling so I can see when these young cats are stalling now right. and 
uh, an actual fighter who wants to fight is you're not going to look at this guy stalling. Yeah. He's, he's mentally sharp. He's physically sharp. He knows where he, what he wants to get. And he's looking at these other champions beside him and he's just following their footsteps. That's an unreal way to learn too, because it's just the, the observation. And, and I've even been noticing myself too, like just with like, okay, so perfect example, um, the last uh, Barboza fight where he got the knockout and he, he need the guy in the face. So as, we were, as I was watching the fight, I was like, man, that guy keeps dropping his head with the level changes. Level changing, yeah. Cause you like the, uh, cause that whatever, that was a Saturday and then we had our session on a Thursday. And you even said that to me twice where you're like, when you're slipping or something, you're dropping your head too low, keep your head up because you're gonna get knee in the face. (laughs) And then I was kind of like, so it's it's amazing, like even just in in such a little way, in a little detail, you can see it on a TV, let alone what that would be like, that learning process in person every day, just being around that environment, Mm -hmm. like the learning, it must just skyrocket. Unreal, unreal. Unreal. If you just show up and you're dedicated and, and you just keep your mouth shut, and you just train, you listen to your trainers, and you do what you're supposed to do, and you don't, dis- you don't get distracted outside of the gym either. Right. And whatever distractions outside the gym, you do get distracted, you don't bring that into the gym. Whatever, when you walk in through that door, mm-hmm. whatever happens outside that door, it does not come in here. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't even matter if your training partner's an asshole, if you guys just fought in the car, you forget about it, you come in here and you, you get working on what you're supposed to work on. This is your time to build yourself up. Don't forget about, forget about that shit that just happened. Mm-hmm. And that's how you gotta look at it too. That's what I really admired about, um, like MJ and Kobe and some of those guys that in Hickson. mentality, right? Yeah. You know, cause through my training, that was the thing that I really had to focus on was that I knew on the day and actually what I even did too, was like, I took, um, I still have to show you a picture of it, but like the home gym that I have, mm-hmm. I have some MMA mats. So you kind of bounce around on them, not kill your knees. And, um, so I took them out and I brought them to the gym that I did the record at. And the whole idea was mentally what I was doing was the floor was the same, so it would feel the same on my feet. So you're grounded, like you're literally grounded. And I basically just imagined that like you had a wall running up all four sides, like Mm. just all the way up. So it's literally just me in there with the bar, that's it, nothing else. Like nothing else can penetrate you know, that, that meant, so just like that little mental technique, um, that was like really helpful. And so I understand like, yeah, when you come into the gym, like this is time to work and, you know, keep your, you know, the fight with the girlfriends and the, you know, you're behind on your rent, and, you know, cause some of this stuff, like some of the stuff that people go through is significant. Like it's not trivial, but even the, tr- you know, everything from the trivial to the significant, um, you just got to keep it out there because it's going to impact your ability to, to train and get better. And if you're walking into a gym, you're trying to train and get better. So yeah, you know. uh, there's been there's been people that have come in and to other gyms, not just mine, like all over the world that have come in and they have a great home and stuff, but they mm. just can't make it to the top levels. And then there's guys who live in a car who are on food stamps, but they come in through the gym doors and they're not they don't talk about nothing. They just get to work. Those guys it's amazing, have right? <laughs> they just fucking complain. Yeah, you know what I mean. Those guys have nothing. They get to work. You know, they just legit get to work. That's what I want to see. What do you, what do you, th- like, just as your observations, because <clears throat> what do you kind of chalk that up to be? Because, like, you get some people who, like you said, like, they come from a good background or a bad background, and they'll be, they'll train well or they won't train well. Like, it just, 
are there any like common traits or attributes like just curious from your observations of that uh, it just depends how they spoil themselves or how they've been spoiled right guys that, that uh, have yeah. less less in their background they they fight a little bit more they're a bit more hungrier than guys who have everything they're not so hungry as much you know you see that even as a champion champion has everything they have all the cars they have all the money they have the belt now what else do they really need and then they lose that hunger right mm. so People who have everything, I don't see too much hunger. You know, some, some guys, you'll see it. They have that hunger. They have that drive. That's the next, that's the next champ. And they, they don't have it. You know, they're going to have a hard time finding the person that does have that hunger. Right? It's a hard fight now. As a coach and trainer, how do you... So if you notice that, okay, maybe my fighter's not as hungry. Can you... Because, again, I mean, ultimately, it's an internal thing. But from your role on the outside helping a fighter, what do you kind of do or, or either directly or indirectly? Like, are there things that you can do to try and hopefully kind of get that spark for that fighter? Yeah, you talk to them and if things are bothering them, maybe their body sore, maybe they've broken something and maybe, you know, small injuries or, uh, you know, mental, just small things that are bothering them. As a coach, you do have to break that barrier. You have to talk to them, you have to find out what's going on. And also they should be honest with you and they should mm. be vulnerable to their coach and let you know what what's bothering them. And on the other end of that too, the coach is not their psychologist or their shrink, right? They just can only do so much. If you're honest with your coach and your coach can point directions to where you're supposed to be, the best professional help possible, right? But as a coach to bring out that animal in, in, in that fighter, they gotta, they gotta pour it on the mat to be able to see it, right? If they're half-assing it in here, you're not gonna see that. And you can see when they're sparring, you can see when they're wrestling, you can see when they're rolling, if they really want out. If they're using like small injuries, oh, if they get inside low kick and they're claiming a, a ball kick, you know, like a, a groin kick in training, you know, these things aren't going to help you in the fight, you know. So how you prepare on the mats in the gym will help you outside more than anything. Did you fight in Thailand? So you were training there. Yep. What was that like, the fight process? Because I was just curious, what you said got me thinking there. So the first time, the, okay, the first time I went there, the fight process, it was a little bit different because I came from here and I thought that I trained in Muay Thai, right? But <laughs> yeah, so when I got there, it was like a huge shock, right? I was like, yeah, I've been training, you know, in Muay Thai. And that was the first time I was there, it was like 2006, right? So, okay. and I was training locally in, in like a Muay Thai, I guess it said Muay Thai place. And, I, and I, I was training locally, I guess, for about 12 years in Muay Thai. But when I got there, I realized it was more like, Tai Chi that I was training in. It was a complete culture shock. So I was like, holy shit. And then I tried to use that yeah, on the pad work. And, I, and, and again, that was a different gym. So I wasn't training beside the champions. I went to um, mm. Tiger Muay Thai that time. And they were just starting out that time. And they had a cage there. It wasn't as big as they were now. And, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't training side by side with the champs. I wasn't, like, clinching with the champions there, spending all day. It was more like a resort, that gym. It was, it was for, like, everybody to come. You know, you can buy shakes there. You can do yoga there. You know, <laughs> okay, everything yeah, was yeah. so nice at that gym, you know? It was, it was super nice. And the other gym I went to wasn't nice, you know? Like, I lived in the gym. Like, I, I, I slept on the gym. The same mats that I trained on, that we spit on, that we clinched on, we, and we, I, I would sweat there. Then I would come back, we would eat on those mats. And after we finished eating, we'd go to sleep. Rinse and repeat. And then you get a chance to meet these guys, hang out with them, go run with them. And, you know, you get into their head, then you, then you understand the culture a lot better. And I did that, and that was the best, best way for me to really understand Muay Thai, was washing my clothes in the street. Right. Yeah. That was the best way to, like, live the culture and to understand what these guys are all about. And I was there for a bit, and, and it was hard for me because they didn't have beds. And then I, I wrote, wrote back to the guys at, at my gym, and then they got a bunch of money together and they sent it to me. And then I bought all the beds for the trainers and all the fighters. And then, you know, I, another guy there, he got a bunch of money together because the, the little kids that I was running with in the morning, um, 
they had no shoes, right? So all the fighters, right. some of them don't have shoes and they're running, we're running outside, right? Around the King's Castle, right? In, in, in Bangkok. And it's quite a, quite a huge run, right? And these guys were running barefoot. So while I was getting the beds organized, another guy got these guys all shoes. He got a sponsorship for shoes. So it's amazing how rough these guys have it, but they're freaking champions, like hard guys to fight because they come from nothing. You know, running barefoot barefoot as a as a child as right? a child and i'm sure like Uneven some of those pavement. kids they're just like whatever right whatever. like it's just like this is just the way it is the way it is <laughs> so, so cool so so when i went wow. there, yeah so the first time i went there i was like hey um and then i noticed that they would not pair up foreigner guys to fight ties and then i was like what the fuck why and they explained to me because the ties body is too strong well, actually, no, I didn't understand this the second time I went to Thailand. The first time, they would kind of pair you up with, like, whatever guys to fight, just, you know, to, it's like a resort, you know, so you get a win and stuff like that, right? But the second time I went, they, the second time I went to the different gym, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even set up a fight with anyone, many foreigners with ties, unless you've been there for so long. So you'd have to fight just foreigners versus foreigners. So I did that four times at the second gym. So you would fight through all the carnivals, so you could fight more often and stuff like that. And then they took me and they taught me how to corner, how to wrap hands, how to warm up the fighters, how to, how to like massage their legs in between rounds, how to talk to them. They taught me so much stuff, but that was me staying there for three weeks, showing up, not talking until I got to that level where the, the trainers, the head trainers wanted to train me. And then the next three and a half months was just gravy after that. I learned so much, so much. You know, that's interesting though, because it was only like, I mean, when you think about three, like three and a half weeks in those conditions at that it's 40 degrees output. in the shade. Yeah, like, you know, so it, it sounds like a very short period of time, but you, you've packed so much work and, well, you're putting out and you're also like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're just, I'm here to just be quiet, like mouth closed, but ears open, right? I'll tell you the training program. Okay, so I wake up in the morning at five o'clock. You got to go to the gym. Oh, we wake up at 4.30. You go to the gym at five, then you got to run. Okay, from five o'clock to six, you got to go to the run. 6.30, you go to the gym, you kind of stretch out. Seven o'clock is the first session. The first session is kind of chilled. Maybe about uh, a little bit of pad work and some bad work. Not, not a hard session. Eight o'clock, I go home and then I hop in the shower and then I'll go to the steam room. Then I'll go have some breakfast and I'll go to sleep. Then 3, 3 p.m. is when the real training starts. From three to 3.30, you skip. Then you shadow box. Then you hit the bag. Then you do pad work. Then at 5.30 is when you clinch. From 5.30 to 6, you clinch. After you finish clinching for half an hour, then you do 30 left roundhouse kicks, 30 right roundhouse kicks. But those 30 kicks, if they're not proper, they end up being about three or 400 right and three or 400 left kicks at that night. After you've done that, then you gotta do three sets of uh, three sets of 50 jump knees. And if you're fighting, then you gotta do four sets of 50 jump knees on the bag. That's the last thing you do. So by the time you get out, you start at three, you get out around seven. Then you go home, you shower, you come back, and you eat on those same mats dinner. Then you go home, and you die, and you rinse and repeat. That's it. Yeah. There's nothing else. And in the middle of that shit, in the middle of that, that's in the gym train. That's the classes they offer. So that was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday and Sundays are the fights. Sundays are where they have okay. the fights. So Sundays, nobody's training. Everyone's gone to the fights, right? Sometimes Saturdays, there's fights too. So on Saturday, there's training. Sundays, there's no training. So when there was no fights on Sundays is when I went and did my privates. So Saturdays, I did privates too. So I did classes on Monday to Friday, and then I did private training myself on Friday and Saturday when there's no classes. And then on top of that, the days there's no classes, I went and worked out in the gym. I had a, I, there was right. a gym on, down the street. So I, and, and I had no distractions. Nobody bothering me. Nobody. So that's, that's how you got to focus and to get to the next level. You got to, you can't have any distractions around you. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds hardcore, but if you want that desired outcome, I mean, that's just, 
that's, that is the level of work that is required to become that good. I mean, yeah. that's just the way it is. There's no, There's no oh, wrong. I can train for a couple hours no. here and there. No, no, no. There's none of that. There's none of that. If you're not eating, breathing, sleeping, yeah. obsessed, yeah. and your, your lifestyle must reflect that. Yeah. It's just... I'll show you a picture. I went there. I went there at 189 pounds, just looking the same. I'm not, no, no different. One, my fights, they were at 152. Four fights at 152. I'll show you pictures of me. <laughs> right now, I'll show you. When we finish this pocket, I'll, I'll bring that banner down of me, what I look like there. When I went there, what I looked after. Just because of the heat. Wow. The heat and how much I was sweating. Like every day. And I didn't give a shit. I just kept training. And then that was, during this time was the uh, Mayweather, no, uh, was it? It was... Um, I think it was May. No, Pacquiao was gonna fight. Um, he was fighting uh, Sugar Shane Mosley during okay. that time, and I was watching how they were training and how these guys were running. And over here, like coming back home, no, you guys shouldn't be running so much. You shouldn't be running so much. But when you go back and you see what these guys actually do to become champions, they're running. What are the mm -hmm. boxers doing? Floyd Mayweather, Pacquiao, they're running. They're running every morning. They're running is maybe not for cardio, but we run. I run for mental. Yeah. Because yeah. when I'm running, I'm visualizing that guy that I'm fighting in front of me. And when my feet stop, that means I'm getting hit. So I am keep going. Some, sometimes when I'm running, I'm sprinting. That's because in my mind, I'm blitzing on that guy's face. Even when I'm skipping, I'm focusing on someone's face and I'm fighting this guy. So when that rope hits my leg and I fuck up on the skipping, that means I just got clipped. So I got to get my feet moving again so I can skip faster. Then while I'm visualizing that shit, I'm skipping harder. That's what got me through all the skipping. Then I'm looking around in the gym. These guys all want to fight. They can't even visualize that shit. And I'm like, you're not ready to fight. You got to keep moving. You can't stop. You can't be stretching your calves now. You can't be talking to that person beside you. You can't be looking on your phones if you want to fight. Because that guy is not. That was right. me. That was me 10 years yeah. ago. I'll fuck you up, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's younger guys out there that are, that are focusing harder than me, what I did. Harder. So if you're going to fight a guy like that, you're going to get mauled. I don't know. I train pretty hard. I focus hard my whole life. I, don't, I really don't know how many people are going to focus harder than that, but I'm obsessed in my shit. And there's going to be a lot more guys like me obsessed. And if you're not obsessed, you're going to have a hard time round one. You know, that's just, that's just the, the truth behind it. Yeah, there's always someone who's, who's operating at a level. Like, yeah. if it's not going to be you, it is guaranteed 100% yeah. going to be someone else. You know that yourself. Yeah. You know, world record. And you break that world record, someone is looking, licking their chops, ready to break that record after you, right? You know, like... This and I lost the first time. Yeah. I was unsuccessful the first time. Yeah. Because it was the, the... I mean, I did... You know, you do your best, but then you also realize quickly when you fall short... Uh, well, you realize that if you want to figure out the problem, but if you're just kind of happy, oh, I tried and move on. But if you really want to be a winner and you have that in you or like, I have to do this, I, I, I need to do whatever I can to achieve this. Yeah. So that was really the change. It was like complete, complete obsession. That's just the, that's the price you pay. Yeah. It's right? the price you pay. If you want it, you got to go get it. Yeah. You know, that's, if you want to be top dog in anything, you really got to be obsessed. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was just watching this clip about Floyd Mayweather, you know, it, it might not be correct, but he was saying, you know, like, pardon my French, like, fuck homework, fuck anything else. I just want to wrap my hands in box, you know, look at him now, right? That's, he's just the best at that, right? What's wrong with that, though? Nothing's wrong with that, but you still need to learn a little bit more, right? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have yeah. a backup. Yeah. At least, yeah, get, get, you read a little bit. You know, yeah. he, he's one of the rarest breeds, right? Rare. He's so far ahead. His timing is so far ahead of anybody else in that division that even as he ages, it's still so damn far ahead of everyone else. And why? It's because he focused on that shit. He wasn't that guy going out with people. He wasn't hanging out. He wasn't the guy that was stretching his calves when he was skipping. Mm-hmm. Who's skipping harder and faster and longer and you can tell 
He just focused on that one craft and he's the boss at it. And he's so damn good still at yeah. that age. You know, it's very hard to top that. That's so interesting, the, the difference between, because like I was on Instagram the other day and I don't even know what it was. It was some bullshit, like, you know, on, on your suggested mm -hmm. feed or whatever, right? And so I was looking through some of this fitness stuff and it's just like, man, it's just like, it hurts. It hurts because it just, I get so angry and like, like it was all about fitness or boxing. No, like, um, it was just like, I don't even know. It was like some CrossFit guy. Mm -hmm. Then it was like a bunch of just random stuff, like inspirational. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about, you know, you have to work in your rest days and you have to like it, everything this person was talking about was not about working. It was about resting and slowing down and all this stuff. And I was just like. That is such a cultural thing though. Like really, like, okay, in your experience in, in Thailand, like just hearing you talk about that, no one's talking about, oh, you know, let's take it easy. It's like, no, 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 like it's time to go, man. Like there's a difference between, you know, if you have injuries or stuff like that, you adjust, but you don't just stop, you know? And I think the the whole idea of like working in, like when I was doing my training and I'm back to training like properly again and making a, a big run at a bunch of different things, uh, rest is not important. Not for it's, you, right? It's not important. So I would, I would gauge that a little bit. I would say if it's, if it's going to be baby Marcus, right? So you and who you are now, I, I'm going to train you a little bit differently. I'm, I'm going to be a bit harder on you, right? Like a tiger. No fucking rest. Keep going, right? Fucking go, go, go. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Now you got mama Marcus. I got I to gotta give her more rest yeah. just so she can get in that training. And I mean, yeah, rest a bit more, you know, rest a bit more. Take your time, rest a bit more. Two different animals there, right? So you right. train each animal a little bit different. So that's, I guess, that's what that guy, those people are trying to gear towards is to everyone else, not the savages, not the animals, not the beasts. This is well, for the regular people. And that's what it is, yeah. Yeah, because when you, like, before, like, if I ask my athletes, you know, when they go to the doctor, doctors like, oh, yeah, I need six months rest. I'm like, dude, that's for the average Joe. That's for the less than average. That's for a sedentary individual that that's doesn't right. do nothing in life. <laughs> if you take, if, the, if I go to the doctor with my broken fucking thumb, he's going to be like, dude, just wrap that shit up and go back to work. Because he knows that I'm not going to bitch about it. I'm not looking for a way off. I'm not looking for a note to tell me I can't go to work. Mm -hmm. This is my work. I'm going to go with my fucking hips dislocated. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't matter. I'm not looking for that note to be like, hey. Sal, you got to take a break or you got to take it easy. I don't want that. I've never wanted that. But some people need that. Some people, right. hey, you got to take it easy. You know, you're going to burn out. You got to chill out. There's different people. Oh, burn out. Yeah. yeah. That's that other word. Yeah. <laughs> You'll burn out. I mean, pisses me off. <laughs> burn out. I was burned out for four months straight doing my. You and you're know, still doing 7,000 chill. Yeah. Like it was just, yeah, like that's type of stuff. But that's true because it's, yeah, that, that is the difference between regular people yeah. and people who want to be exceptional. Yeah. You know, and what's so, what really bothers me is that so many regular people, if they just worked, if they just had a little bit of a, a shift in their mentality, could be exceptional. Like, that's the thing. Like, so many people are just on that bubble, you know, but it's, it's like, man, like just, it's, it's short-term suffering for Long the days. amount of, oh my God, you, you, you become a different person. Like you become so much more yeah. than you, than you are at that point, but they just don't want to, that little bit of suffering. It's totally worth it. <laughs> it's totally it's, it's worth that it. That one quote that, that it always resonates so well with me is that everybody's born equal, mm. but some are more equal than others. That's the fact. Everybody's born equal, but some are more equal than others. Why? Because they just pushed a little bit more. Not that it was given to them. It was just they push more, 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 more. How much do you want? I want a little bit more, 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 more. You want a break? Then just take a break. Mm -hmm. It's up to you. You know, what can break you? 
that, that's all it yeah. is. Just you. Yeah. Whatever's that's, in there. That, that's what fighting is. <laughs> fighting is, it's two guys fighting. Okay, two guys are out there throwing kicks or punches, you know, grappling, you know, whatever they're trying to do, what, what other kind of sport they're fighting, whether it be fencing or jiu-jitsu or boxing. This is based on who can break whose will first. Mm -hmm. That's what the whole fight is based on. It's not like, and, and sometimes it, before the will gets broken, you get a knockout or you get a tap out. But in order to get there, that one fighter is imposing his will and trying to break the other guy's will. If that guy's will is wilting, we can see it as judges and we can also see it as people watching it as fans and stuff mm -hmm. too. So you, you want to train in the gym. You want to have that mental, you want to have that mental edge where you, nobody can break you. In order to get that edge, you have to train the way that nobody can break you. If you train and you take breaks and you stretch your calves in between rounds, it is easy to break you in the gym. It'll be fucking easy to break you first round. Right, that's how. That's what fighting is. Who can break whose will first? And some guys, they're not gonna let their will get broken. They won't. But you know how they go out? They get knocked out. That's because they just stood there and they banged because they didn't want their will to get broken. Right. Then you can see the ones whose wills are broken. You can visually see it on the TV. You know. So it's just their training regimen and how how hard serious they take it. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the difference too between training at the edge of your capabilities versus kind of training more within that comfort zone. Because that's how you, because how you move your baseline is you have to break the top end. Mm -hmm. So you break the top end of your training and then that sets a new standard at the high end mm -hmm. and then now you can move your baseline forward mm -hmm. and then you break the top end. Mm -hmm. and so it's this constant- Progression. Yeah, yeah. that shift, yeah. That was, a diff that was a big game changer for me, was understanding the moving baseline because that was that thing that the, the will is if you have the will, you're, you'll go f till you die. Like you just, if you can breathe, you can go. That's, that's the level that you want to aspire to, of course. But that's really the difference is that, and, and then in fighting, it's, it's, it's so like, that's, what's been amazing to me. Like properly training is just like, how hardcore when you, cause I love UFC like, for years. And so I don't really watch many other, um, companies or anything like that, you know, it's pretty much just the UFC, but like, man, you have such a, a gr I have such a greater appreciation for like guys and, and the women who will walk in there and just like, just to walk in there is just like, Oh my God. And then some of You're them crazy, man. That's so yeah, crazy. crazy. And, and I, I'm sitting there and You're I'm in a cage. This is yeah. wild. And, and, and I'm watching these guys and I know their backstories and I'm telling my kids, Hey, come here, come here. And I tell, this is what I tell them. I said, watch this guy's walk in. I say, chew. That's my son. I said, fucking watch this guy's walk in. Look at his face. I said, do you think he's scared? I go, this guy is so ready to go smash the other guy. I go, fucking, he's so ready. He's prime and he's trained so hard for it. I said, watch him. And my son watches this guy walk in. This guy's a beast. He's ready to go. Then he watches the next guy walk in. And guess what? That guy's fucking ready to go too. And <laughs> yeah, he's fucking primed right. up. Right? And then these two primed up animals ready to go. Then I said, chew, this is going to be a good fucking fight. Mm -hmm. That's how we know. Mm -hmm. Then you see another way in, and you know, another walk in. One guy's kind of nervous, looking left and right, looking down. Kind of, you can see this, and yeah. you can see the next guy coming behind him. He's ready to go. I show my kids. I'm like, look at the way these guys are coming into the ring. Look at them in the ring. What do they look like? Do they look like they're ready? They want to rock and roll. Do they look like they want out. Mm -hmm. But that translates to everything. See that, and that's what I've been coming to understand more and more is like that. You have a speech that you have to give, you have a corporate event, like even, in, even in, in school, from elementary school to high school to university, you have to give a presentation and a tutorial or in a class. 
are you there? Are you nervous? Are you, is your, are you breathing quick? Are you pacing around? Are you looking around or are you dialed in? Like it's the same mentality. It's just the, it's just what the execution is for. And then obviously at a level of fighting, that level of primed up is just, the it's so amped up. Could be, could be similar. The only difference is you can walk out of not doing your meeting. You can walk out of yeah. like not doing it, you know, and in a fight that's not in the UFC or not a, a sanctioned fight, you can walk up to someone in the parking lot, then you can walk away. Or you can yeah. walk up to someone in the soccer field like, hey, I didn't say that shit about you. But when the cage door closes, ain't nobody saying that shit. It's two no. guys ready to fight each other. <laughs> that's it. There's no walking out anymore. No. You got to do your business now. Or you're going to get, you're going to be walking out not on your own power. Exactly. You're going to be stumbling out of there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. But that's just been really interesting. Like just kind of as I appreciate it more and more. And that's why like, it really frustrates me now. Like, and I'm curious about you cause you're obviously around a lot more fighters. So I'm just kind of get your thoughts on it. But like that armchair quarterback, right? Mm. Like they all think, Oh, you know, this guy should have done this mm. and this guy should have done that. And it's like, mm. okay, have you ever been punched in the face? Mm. Like you've never even trained and yet you want to criticize, you know, and that's different. I think the level of it is so much different than like, oh, hockey, like, oh, why do you make that bad pass or that bad shot or bad penalty, you know? And it's like, they try to do the same thing with fighting. And it's like, no, no, no. Like one is a sport and fighting like you, that is, that is real life, man. Mm -hmm. Like sports, like the big four, those are sports. There's things it's, confined within the realm of the sidelines right or the arena but fighting is it it transcends all that it's in the gym it comes into you know it comes into the octagon into the cage like it's it's a completely different thing you know and just the psychology of it so it really irritates me now whenever it, like more so whenever I hear people kind of putting their two cents in because i know enough mm -hmm. to just like it's not that easy. keep my mouth shut yeah, i'm like i have no way to even even, even though the guy lost it's like man that guy had he had what i didn't have mm -hmm. he had the courage to walk in there yeah See, that's 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 huge a ball. huge separator <laughs> yeah man it's, it's always easy for guys to sit back and, and flop their mud guard and say oh he should have done this or that was a bad call or you know did you see that it's always guys talking from the back but they've never stepped in and, and, and trained themselves or been punched in the head or been kicked in the head or or been taken down repeated times you know what i mean or or been mounted and grounded upon like you know you got to spend time with these guys you got to live in the mats and you know experience what this is before you even fucking open your mouth you know what mm -hmm. I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's just you have to feel it. You, you have to know it. what that feels like. Yeah, you got to spend yeah. some time in there. Not weeks, not months. Like before you open up your mouth and start talking about, uh, you know, spend about ten years in the gym, ten years, and understand the culture and what it's really about before you make any type of decision or, or, or opinion on who should have won the fight. You know, like most people don't even know the judging criteria and how the fights are even scored, let alone what's going to be winning the fight. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Got to educate. Some of the fans are really educated now, you know, so they much more so. Yeah. Yeah. Much more so, which is nice to see. Yeah. It's nice to see that. And even, and I want to get into that because I know some of the, like, just like the technical mm. side of, especially like judging and, and refing, like I think so that information is really good. So we'll, we'll get there. We'll keep, I'll keep an eye on the time. But one of the things like just a little comment, I just thought of it. Uh, one of the things that just shocks me is whenever we're doing drills and you'll do, uh, you'll demo something for me and you'll do it at full speed, like it shocks me where I'm like the speed 
that you can move at like and and just and even when um when shauna was doing what was she doing she was doing some pad work or something she, mm. I mean, she was showing me footwork mm. so you were doing the pads and i was just and i'm just like that is that doesn't translate through the screen like no. the speed mm -hmm. is shocking like yeah so it's just like for me i'm just like holy crap <laughs> like it's you know then it's like okay humble feel humble again good okay practice try and get better but it's 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 damn cool, I have to say. <laughs> and, and however you're feeling, I felt the same way. I felt the same way the first time I sparred in Taekwondo. I felt the first, the first time that, that I rolled in MMA. I felt like, like vulnerable when I sparred boxing the first time, being like a Muay Thai fighter, just boxing. Right. I felt vulnerable putting on a gi the first time and, and being like just manhandled. I felt vulnerable in the clinch. But you know what? In every one of those vulnerabilities, I fucking went back and I went back and I went back and I went back and I wanted to learn and I wanted to get someone else to feel vulnerable not me I didn't want to be the vulnerable one I could have ran away and be like ah oh, fuck this shit's no, no good I don't like it but I just kept going back and I kept being vulnerable until I wasn't vulnerable anymore you know I just kept going back and kept going back any time that anything put me in a place where I, I just felt like weak I wanted to learn it I didn't want to run away from it so that's why I spend so much time learning and showing you because I made so many mistakes. I was taught and I was taught or maybe I learned it the wrong way. I'm not saying I was taught the wrong, maybe I learned it the wrong way. Mm. And over the years and more of my experience and having more time to learn it and to search the real knowledge, I learned a lot more and I learned a lot better. And I wanna train that to you. I wanna translate it all to you. So when I move and it looks like I'm moving fast and it looks good, that's because I spent so many years doing it over and over and over again, the same move, the same move practicing it when nobody was here nobody's telling me i don't have a coach here i am my own coach i wake my wake up myself in the morning i i go on the bike myself i work out myself i hit the bag myself no one's telling me to do it i do knee over toes myself no one's in here after i'm doing privates i'm hitting the bag myself no one's watching me but i do it myself and i'm not a fighter i'm not a champion anymore this is someone who's an old guy now but he's doing it to stay sharp you know, at one point in my life, it's funny, I had this conversation with my wife yesterday and I thought this was my, this was my take in life. It's Sal, I gotta keep fucking training because all these guys are out there good and my wrestling sucks, so I gotta get my wrestling better so I, I can dump this guy. I gotta get my jujitsu better because I can choke this guy. I gotta get my Muay Thai better. And, I, and in my mind was all these guys and I wanted to fucking smash them. And that was all in my head. My, these are like my, my targets that I wanna get. And as I'm getting older, as I'm getting older, these guys are getting older and, and they're not fighting anymore and they're not doing anything anymore. I I, have, I need new targets, I need new goals. And then I'm starting to be the old guy now, and I'm starting to be the old guy. And I get to the point, and I see all these guys, and they've been training a long time, and, and I've been training a long time. We're no, we're no longer enemies. We're all in the same category now. We're just chilling out, and we're still training. That's what it's all about, is just keep going. Never stop. Never mm -hmm. fucking stop. Yeah. For the rest yeah. of your life, you'll never stop. You just keep going. And those who you thought that you wanted to catch up to them, it's not about that anymore because now you're all together and stuff and you're all still training. You're in a different category. They're not your, they're not your competition anymore. Mm -hmm. You're all together because you've all been still doing it. And if those people who eventually stop, then they were never really your competition to begin with. Right. Because those people who keep going on in life and keep training, then you're in a different category because you're not competition. You guys are all just trainers now and just love doing what you did. You know what I mean? And you'll be 80 and 90. You'll never fight each other. But you see each other like, fuck, this guy's still training. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, like, that's, what it, that's what it's to me now. It's not about beating guys up. It's to me, fuck, this guy's 67. This guy's 72 because I'm not going to stop. I'm telling you right now. I'm fucking old as balls. But I'm going to keep going. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. I, I got fucking kids. 
And I don't want my kids to be able to catch up to me and beat the fuck out of dad, right? I got to always be the No, you can't, can yeah. never allow that, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, I, and eventually they will. Maybe they'll be able to beat me up two years from now, three years from now. But I am still never going to stop working out. I'm never going to stop training. I'm never going to stop doing what I have to do. But not to win the title, but just to be myself. Because mm -hmm. this is my therapy, what makes me happy. That's a difference, too. I, I was watching... Uh, really random but you saying that kind of triggered that i was watching jonah hill's documentary uh with his therapist mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was really good it was really interesting and he said that because uh, he got into jujitsu mm -hmm. uh, seems like he's decent at it and he was saying that he never understood or he was never taught or told that exercise was a form of mental therapy right yeah mm -hmm. it was always about you know physical. it had to do with physical appearance mm -hmm. like, and, and not even functionality it was mm -hmm. always appearance and even for me i kind of remember that being younger i never once heard that you play sports or you do some type of physical activity for this no never heard that fitness more so now which i think is a good shift because i know i'm certainly all about that where it's like because even you, you talk about, yeah, like the type of training that you want to do, you're never going to stop. It's just the parameters change. You're not training to be a, a champion fighter anymore. You're just, you're training I'm for different reasons. I'll just do deadlift. That's it. I'm not trying to get heavier and heavier and heavier each time. I'm, not, try, I'm yeah. not trying to get the strongest squat anymore. I'm trying to get the biggest bench press. I just do it because I like it now. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to knock people up. I'm just trying to throw punches now. I just keep doing it forever, forever, forever. This is something I liked for so many years. It's not like I'm ever going to put it away. Those who will put it away, maybe they didn't like it as much. But I love this shit. I, I sleep at night. I do sit-outs in my bed. I roll out before I go to the bathroom. I, I, fuck, I'm always, man. I'm, I'm doing butt scoots in the living room with my kids. You know, like I can't stop. We're sparring, you know, in the kitchen. We're sparring in Walmart. We're sparring in Superstore. It doesn't matter. You know, this is life to us. You know, this is, this is pretty much my life. Mm -hmm. and this will be my family's life, too. I think that's great because it, it, it instills the, the values in it that gets passed on and hopefully expanded too. Like, cause you always want the younger up and comers to be better than you oh, were anyway, yeah. you know? So I, I even think about that, like with my nephew and then I'm, I got another nephew coming on Tuesday. So mm. I'm pretty excited and I'm thinking, and I'm like, and even with my journals, like I keep journals where I'm like, okay, like, you know, he might like, this might be something he can read one day and maybe this will spark something right? you know he'll think about something in a different way and he can apply it to you know the things that he wants to do and it'll help him be better because that's what you want like if you really care about not just the sport or the or the the skills itself but like what it does for you mentally and and emotionally and spiritually like you want to see them expand and become better than mm -hmm. you did mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. still set you know still go as far as you can go but you know Trim the fat, you know, yeah. teach them the shit that they need to learn and yeah. not the stuff that they're kind of spending their time on that you know is not going to work. Mm -hmm. You know, as long as, even like the rules, you know, how I got into like refereeing and, and judging was because I was all straight Muay Thai. My guys are all Thai fighters and I would just train them fight Muay Thai. However, my Muay Thai trainers train me, right? Because I, I love that sport. Mm -hmm. So we just knee, 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 elbow, knee, 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 sweep, and kick, 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 knee. And we think we're winning the fight. And then all of a sudden, when it goes to the judge's scorecard, it looks like we lost the fight. And it's, we lose the fight, so I don't understand how. So I wanted to learn the rules on why I'm losing the fight. As soon as I understood the rules, then I had to change my whole structure for my fighters. I'd be like, no, we have to fight with these rules. What we were doing were for different rules. This is a 
different rule set. This is a different game. This is MMA. We need to fight with these rule sets. And if you fight within these rule sets, you'll do a lot better. What you were doing before was for a different sport. So I learned that with the referee course and the referee course and the referee course and the judging course and the judging course, all the different courses, each particular discipline in fighting, whether it be boxing or Muay Thai or kickboxing, they have a different scoring criteria. And then the judging criteria is completely different. So if I can tell my fighters on what the judges are looking for, I think we're going to be further ahead, luckier, lucky and closer to winning the fight than opposed to, than, uh, as opposed to like me not telling my students and them going out there doing things that don't really score or doing things that are going to score as fouls. You know, and then, and, then the, and then me telling the judges, what the fuck, or telling the referee, what the fuck, and yelling. You know, that's just my ignorance. I yeah. should have studied the fucking fight. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We're fighting here. We should study the rules prior. Mm -hmm. That's why I take my shit seriously. I wake up and I study for every class, for every private. I wake up at 4 in the morning, and I'm nonstop looking at what I'm going to teach that day. I, do not, I never wing a private lesson. I never wing a class. I'm like a university instructor, like a, like a lecturer. When I, when I walk in, I already know what I'm going to teach. I'm already prepared. And, and every class, I'm like that. I don't YouTube videos or try to copy another person's style. I look at the years of notes that I've taken and, and all the stuff that I've gone through, and I pull that out. Every day, what I teach, I'll teach this, I'll teach this. And I look at that, but I'm prepared every time I go. Whether I referee or I judge a fight, I prepare myself the day before or the morning before, and I'm preparing myself for that, to get into that mentality, to be a good referee or to be a good judge. I, I review all the notes. Of all the notes, nonstop, I'm reviewing these fucking notes because... Those fighters, they're my responsibility now. So I cannot fuck up for them because this, this might be their job. You know, this is how they're living. Even as a judge, I don't want to make any mistakes. So I take my job seriously as a referee and a judge. I take my job fucking serious. And if these referees and judges don't take their job seriously, then there's going to be a problem. Just like the fighters. They have to take their job seriously. Anywhere you go, you got to take your job seriously. That's how you're going to know if you're the best at it or not. There's so much I could get into on that because I'm like, oh, it's just fantastic to hear. But I think it's a good segue and for time as well. But um, getting into more about talking about refereeing and, mm. and judging, judging, like more just like the technical side of it, because I'm really interested in that. And I know that especially in um, whenever there's like a controversial fight or maybe not even necessarily controversial, but even just a close fight. And then everybody's like, oh, you know, the, the judges missed this, the judges missed that. Like, I think it's just a lot of bro science so, being so the number thrown one thing, out there. So what the judges are looking for is the number one thing in the judging criteria is effective grappling and effective striking. Okay, effective striking. That's interesting. So that's yeah. the number one thing. On, on, <laughs> right. That's the number one thing the judges are looking for is effective grappling, effective striking, okay? So... The person that is winning, so you, when you have a fight, you have two things. You're gonna have a, they're gonna stand up and they're gonna bang right away, right? Mm. They can either do grappling or they do striking. If the round is standing up, the, most of the round is stand up, you base that round on the damage, on if there's a visible, a visible damage, if there's cuts, any lacerations, if there's like, if the guy's limping, you know, like if he's moving back or you're just gonna look for damage. Hard shot dropping the guy. If it's not a hard shot, not, you know, damage, then you look at the cumulative strikes, okay? Who's been winning that round? Who's throwing more strikes, okay? And if there's no damage, and if there's no strikes, and if it was more of a grappling round, then who's winning in the grappling exchanges, right? So if the guy put a triangle on the guy and it was on real tight, then you got to mark that as damage because the guy's re regurgitating, right. you know, it's hard. But if the guy's got a triangle on, he's got his finger up in there and he's, the, and he's showing the referee and judge, he's okay, he's got his thumb, he's giving the thumbs up, then you know that it's not a real effective submission, right? So you have to look at first the effective grappling and effective striking and they're both uh, graded equally so who, right. so now if there's nothing if there's no effective grappling if there's no effective striking then you have a fallback criteria that is going to be effective 
aggressiveness, who's pushing the pace, who's trying to finish the fight. That's the second thing, that's the fallback criteria. So now if there's no effective grappling, no effective striking, then you go to the second one, which is what? Effective aggressiveness. Now if there's nothing going on with striking, okay, which is rare, nothing going on with grappling, which is rare, nothing going on with aggressiveness, then you have the third fallback criteria, which is octagon or ring control, like fighting area control. Who's taking over the fighting area, right? Who's, who's in control of that? So I mean, those are the three criteria on how to, how to judge the fight. Mm -hmm. And damage is going to be the most important thing in the right. fight. So like a hypothetical then. So if we're in a fight and I'm hitting you with a lot of shots, mm -hmm. but they're not, like I'm landing shots, but not doing so much damage. It's more volume versus damage. Mm -hmm. And you hit me a few times with effectiveness, but just a few times, but it's, you know, I got, you busted my nose and I got blood and I got my eyes a little bit, you know, swollen. In some, in a situation like that, how does, how would that look judge-wise? So, so, so let's say you, you've thrown, let's, let's clear it out. You've thrown 30 or 40 strikes at me, jab crosses, jab cross, 30 or 40 of them, and no marks on my face, but you give me some pitter-patter, kind of mm -hmm. like the Diaz kind of fighter. Yeah, name. they land, but, pitter -patter, you know, right? It's yeah. called pitter-patter, right? And then I land maybe six stri strikes at you, and then your eyes close, and you, your nose is bleeding, and those are thudding sounds, and mm -hmm. those are, yeah, so I won that round. Right. Okay? Because of yeah. damage. Mm -hmm. It's not a cumulative strikes right off the bat. It's effective strikes. Right. So you could throw three jabs at me. I throw 45 jabs at me, land them all, I throw one right hand, damage your head. I won that round. It's the hardest strike. The most damage will win that round. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? That does. Yeah, yeah. that does. Yeah. And for, so for grappling, because I was wondering this as well. Mm -hmm. You, so like your the triangle choke example. So mm -hmm. you got it cinched in and the guy escapes, but like, with really good technique. Like it's yeah. not just because, oh, you're sweaty and the guy just loses his grip, like mm. the one with dominant position. Like he does, a good, he legitimately defends and gets out of that position. Do you get points for defensive you get, you get grappling? No points for defense, ever, right. in any combat sport. There's no points for defense. Right. It's effective striking, effective grappling. There's no criteria, effective defense. There's none. Right. There's none. So if I was fighting you and the whole round, I, I'm throwing jabs at you and I missed all of them and you slipped them all mm -hmm. and I didn't, or, or no, let's say we moved around the whole round and I threw a jab at you and the whole round I just threw one jab and you didn't do nothing. You just slipped around it. Fuck all. I won that round. Right. <laughs> I threw a jab. You did yeah. nothing. You just slipped. You mm -hmm. get nothing for defense. Yeah. Okay. And takedowns. Now takedowns are only scored with amplitude and impact. Okay. Which means that if you, if you take me down and you fall into my guard, like if you go inside, low, inside trip and you fall into the guard, there's no impact on that. There's, no, there's nothing. You're not scoring on that takedown. Okay? Now, if I pick you up and I, and I run you across the ring and I dump you hard, and that's impact. That's altitude. And, and now you're going to score something for the takedown. If you just take a guy down, end up in his guard, don't do nothing, you're not going to score nothing. You're not going to score nothing for takedown unless you take a guy down and right away you hit him. Right away. Even taking someone's back. I'm on your back the whole round, and that's a dominant position. I'm on your back. But if I didn't do nothing with it, it's not going to score hard. So when I'm on the back, I want to hit you, throw some strikes. So that's called damage. Now that's scoring. Does that make sense? You want to learn the game. A lot of guys don't understand the game and how the game has to work. If you can understand the game, then the fighting will be a lot easier. It's not just going out there knocking the guy out. You have to break his will, and you have to win according to these rules. Mm -hmm. I'm interested, I'm not kind of just floated out there, I'm not sure if there's necessarily an answer for it, but just hearing you say that there's not a category for effective defense, mm. that's interesting to me because that sounds like it really reflects the psychology of fighting. Well, defense doesn't win fights, right? Right. 
that's it. Yeah, that's just it. So like, just the understanding of like, it's about, you know, you hit me once, I gotta hit you twice now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a fight, this isn't, this isn't hockey, this no. isn't, right? Where, yeah. you, oh, you made one great pass, oh, wow, that's great, that actually did something for you, you defended it, oh, that's great. Great. Doesn't, it's, it's not the same thing. The no. principles of other sports don't mesh no. with, with combat. If you're looking at boxing and kickboxing, the highest scoring is a knockout, a knockdown. Not slipping. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, knockdowns, even kickboxing, knockdowns are going to score the highest. Knockout is the fight is over. Then knockdowns are going to score the highest, right? So you're looking at the highest scoring criteria. You want to go towards that. You're not trying to, like, defend. There's no, there's no points for defending. That's going to keep you in the fight. Right. So you can actually score your, de- you know, your, your damage. And part of that, like, it makes me think of a few fighters, you know, where they'll, they'll do, like, especially with head movement. Because you got to think, too, there's, there's a lot of different elements. In a, so, like, a UFC main event, mm-hmm. right? You, you have an arena with, what, 30,000 people, more, you know, give or take. Usually by that point, they got a few drinks in them, so they're real amped up. They've just seen a whole bunch of fights, so they're real amped up, right? So there's a lot of factors going on, like, outside the octagon. And then you get in the octagon, and you can kind of play to the crowd. Like, there's different things that you can do, and some fighters are better at that than others, whether you need to do it or not, you know, whatever. It's personal flair, I suppose. But just little things, like, especially head movement. Like, there is something kind of special about watching some dude or some woman who's got, like, unreal head movement because it's just, like, I'm not sure what it does to the brain, but, like, to the viewer, where it's just, like, man, there's something really interesting about that, but it doesn't do anything for the, to win the fight. It looks awesome, right? (laughs) It looks great, but it doesn't, but it kept them away from taking damage too, right? That, that part. Yeah. It can also put them in another position where they can score something as well. Yeah. But you can throw a key, you can counter, right? You can beautiful head moon and then you can, you know, counter with the strength. It's like saying like the guy parried a jab or he blocked the hook. You're not scoring nothing. That's defense too. Or he's checking a kick. What are you scoring with that? Nothing. Right. You're just stopping yourself from getting smashed, right? That's what the win is on that. You're not going to be scoring points on that. You're going to be helping yourself get closer to finishing the fight. Mm -hmm. Staying in the fight is what defense is for. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And with your, uh, the the courses that you did with um, Big John, was Mm -hmm. that refing or judging? Both. It was both. Yeah, okay. I'm a professional uh, licensed referee and a uh, licensed professional kickboxing, Muay Thai, and boxing, and MMA judge, both, and referee. Okay. Tell us a little bit about the courses, because I know that you, you, even in our training, you kind of told me a few things where I'm like, man, that's like super cool. It's really interesting. Big John's a cool guy, man. Like, like I've done the course with him, I think, like four times. And um, every time, he, he, he's like an encyclopedia of knowledge. He's <laughs> been there from day one of, from the sport. He was actually there helped write the rules so he talks about the rules and how it came into place and then how he's kind of lobbied to change some of the rules and stuff like that right so um big john fantastic he, he pretty much I, I met him a few times i even met him uh, i was going to montreal to watch one of the ufc's i think in 2006 the first time i met him at the airport and <laughs> i was talking to him then uh, telling him like you know we're talking about mma like you know i just wanted to talk to him then i met him again after i think it was 2014 thing yeah 14 and I did the course and then did the course again and again and again but every time I do the course with Big John I always learn so much every time I, I can't really tell you uh, how much he's changed my life and my my actual my perception on on fighting because he explained it to me and he, he hammers it into you on how you're supposed to, and what what they expect from their officials and how much you're supposed to know and what you should know because 
there's not that many professional referees and judges, not that many people who can do it. Mm -hmm. because Shockingly few, actually. Shockingly yeah. few, because no matter how good the referee is going to referee the fights, you don't hear nothing about a good referee. But if a referee fucks up and you think, you're going to hear everything about this guy, right? So yeah. you gotta, you got to have thick skin to be a, an official. you got to have thick skin. And boxing, the same thing. Like, I, I spent a lot of time with, um, with uh, boxing uh, coaches as well, too. So I learned um, how to score, how to referee boxing. And kickboxing as, as well too, right? Like uh, under Glory, ISKA um, representative Corey Schaefer. So he came two times. So he explained to us what they're looking for for kickboxing, for high level kickboxing, how they want to score it, the scoring criteria and the judging criteria. And then Muay Thai is completely different from those two or even adding on boxing. The scoring criteria is different. The scoring in Muay Thai is different than the scoring in kickboxing and is different than the scoring in MMA. But the easiest way to understand who's going to win the fight, if there's a knockout, mm -hmm. then you can know who's winning that round. And what's that? That's damage. It's not right. defense. On all those sports, it's damage. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're looking at damage. Now, looking at defense, you're looking at damage. Effort to finish the fight. Well, I'll tell you, that, and that's why I had to ask you about the defense thing, because that's the number one thing that I hear when watching fights in mixed company. Because I, I, I really just enjoy watching fights on my own. Just completely by myself. I don't like hearing, but even before I started training again, like I just, I don't know, it's something about, not as much so with other sports, because I do watch quite a bit of other sports, but I kind of put up with it a little bit more. But for some reason, I don't know, there's something about just that chatter with, with fighting where I'm like, no, like, I think probably because I'm, I'm really trying to actually see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So I really like to get into it, and now that I'm training myself, now I actually have a much better idea. I'm not nearly as ignorant, even though I'm still quite ignorant, but there's <laughs> a long way to go, which is I, I good. I can give you a test really quickly. What's the first judging criteria? What is it? Tell me. Uh, aggressiveness. No, no, that's the second one. Yeah. Effective grappling, effective striking. And that's? And they're judged equally. equally okay. Yeah. Then the next one is? Aggre aggressiveness. What does that mean? Uh, who's pushing forward? Yeah. Who's pushing the pace? So, so that's the opposite of? Effective defense, isn't right? It? What is it called? Effective aggressiveness. Yeah, that's the second fallback criteria. Yeah, effective defense. Does that's that right. Sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if there's no striking or grappling, if the guy's just slipping the whole time, yeah, is he chasing the guy? Is he is hunting the him down? Hunting him yeah. down. Now he's now if he's if there's no hunting down, if we have two guys just dancing around not doing nothing, mm -hmm. then the next thing is octagon or ring or cage control, right? Fight yeah. area control. Who's pushing the pace? Who's pushing the other guy backwards? And so, what's the difference between? Because that kind of sounds like the same thing to me, just aggressiveness versus octagon control. Because it kind of sounds like the same thing. How do those things differ? So effective aggressiveness is like someone effectively trying to push to finish the fight, is looking to finish the fight. That's what okay. aggressiveness okay. means. It's coming to finish the fight and always pushing to finish, the, not pushing forward. It could be on the ground, but I'm right. literally trying to, one guy could be stalling me in my guard, but I'm literally trying to attack submissions or tracking sweeps. So one guy could be stalling and the staller will lose that round on stalling and the guy on the bottom effectively moving around, trying to sweep, trying to attack submissions, it'll look like he's gonna be winning that round. He could be elbowing from the bottom. He could be punching from the bottom. You know, and that's going to be um, ag aggressiveness, effective aggressiveness, moving that guy back, putting that, making that guy not fight back and putting him into a defensive mode, right? Fight, fight area control is going to be pushing the, uh, is going to be like kind of like where you are in relation to the fight. If you're moving towards the turnbuckle, if you're kind of towards the ropes, if you're hiding towards the cage, or if you're in the center of the cage, staying in the center of the ring and holding the fight, right? Right, yeah. That's a big one, yeah. 
just yeah standing in the pocket in the center there yeah, yeah. as opposed to like booking it the whole time right mm -hmm. but you could also be a counter fighter and you could be using that that's the way you fight it could look like you're retreating the whole time but that's the way you fight right so you have to make it look like that you're actually trying to finish the fight while you're counter fighting as well too usually that's pretty quick to pick up on though yeah. like it doesn't usually look like oh why is he just keep backing up or it's like no no like you can tell like he's a he's counter you know or he's waiting to shoot right he throws a punch and then he'll shoot for the you mm -hmm. know double egg or mm -hmm. something like that that's usually pretty straightforward to pick up on you know versus just yeah kind of playing tag around the octagon right it doesn't usually happen look too for, frequently look for the hardest shot look, yeah and if there's no hardest shot then you're going to have to look at who's, you know what Big John said to me, and, and it makes the most sense to me. It's not the easiest way, but there's a, it's an easy guide. Who would you have rather been in that round? <laughs> right, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, I like that. It's kind of more of a common sense approach. Who would you rather be? Right. You can, you can argue, oh, that guy got ripped off. Fuck, it was, just, it was a quick stoppage. But would you, would you like to be him being bashed on? Or would you like to be the basher? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So who would you rather be? Yeah. in the fight that, that's how you kind of know who's winning that fight yeah because that's the thing i hear all the time is like oh like man but he escaped like that was great he blocked all those shots like like as if you should get credit for yeah. but yeah just to but know took that him down at the end of the round you won that round no right yeah yeah you got to take him down then you got to pound him a bunch yeah to win that round you can't just take him down and hold him you have to create damage mm -hmm. or fight ending sequences or something that's going to put you to closer to winning that fight not stalling that fight it's always Closer, who's closer to winning that fight? It's a fight ending sequence. Right. That's what we're looking for. Because two guys are trying to have a fight. You know, so we're trying to have a good fight. Mm -hmm. And it's really enlightening to note as well, like j just the way that it's, it's scored. There's levels. Oh, yeah. Like that's, but that's, that's quite a peculiar thing. Like mm -hmm. that's not, that's a very non common sense approach um like when you think about it with fighting that makes perfect sense but like you don't judge academics that way you don't judge any other athletics that way so to understand like okay fighting this is what it's going to be like we got one we got two we got three mm -hmm. and hopefully we're going to kind of stay in number one because mm -hmm. it just makes life easier mm -hmm. for everybody but. and if it doesn't stay in number one then there's a fallback criteria that's right if it doesn't stay in number two then there's a fallback criteria mm -hmm. You know, and if it's that damn close, that's why there's 10, nine rounds and there's 10, eight rounds and then there's 10, seven rounds. If it's pretty close, then it's a 10, nine round, you know, and then if one guy's been like beating the other guy up quite a bit in that round, but then the other guy, you know, shows glimpses of defending and coming back, you know, and if he's been getting beaten up quite a bit, and the other guy's got damage, he's got duration and, and he's just been beating the shit out of this guy, then you're going to give that like a 10, eight round. Now, if that a 10, seven round would be when the guy just overwhelms the other guy, when that guy couldn't do anything, he couldn't even bring out a jab. He had no offense. All he had was defense. So the word would be overwhelmed. That would be a 10, seven round. Have you ever seen a 10-7 yeah. round? You'll see 10. You'll yeah. see. So go, I've ever go, seen that. go yeah. online and take a look at some 10-7 rounds. Just type in 10-7 round in MMA and take a look at some 10-7 rounds. And then take a look at some 10-8 It's probably rounds. just rough. It's rough. 10, <laughs> it's 10, 10, 10, sounds rounds, really horrible. 10-7 rounds, <laughs> is, it's like you're about to, there's no such thing uh, as a 10-6 round. No yeah, no, thing. you're out. Yeah. yeah. So 10-7 out or is the referee <laughs> is about to stop it. He's right. right about to get in there. A 10-8 round is looking like a 10-7, but then the guy will have like some type of like, he'll defend himself. Right when he's getting slaughtered blah, he'll put his hand up so he won't keep getting slaughtered mm -hmm. but at 10-7 is like the guy's just getting it's rough taken down <laughs> over and over again pounded he gets back up he's, he's not doing nothing mm -hmm. that's like an overwhelming right 
One thing I wanted to ask you as well, I know it's more of like a technical thing, sure. but just curious um, before we're mentioning, um, so the current rules are for MMA, three five minute rounds, championship rounds or main event rounds or main event fights are five five minute rounds. Um, and then kind of the reason I was thinking about this question anyway is because I was reading uh, Hicks and Gracie's book. Mm. And so he Choke? Was, which one? Which one is it? Which book? Choke? Uh, no, uh, Breathe. Breathe, yeah, okay. The new one. Yeah. Yeah. And he was talking about like the Valley Tudo fights, mm -hmm. which were like, that was like no Roman fight, right? Coliseum yeah. style yeah. type yeah. fights. And so it was just open. And same with, um, was it Glory? Mm -hmm. Glory fighting back in the day where it was just like, go fight. And it was just like, you, we stopped the fight when you guys are done Not kind of thing. So Pride? Pride? I can't remember. Yeah. So Pride, Pride. they were gloves, right? So, so what you're talking about, you're talking about the original NHB. You're talking about the original... Yeah, like the real old school stuff. So the yeah. UFC, the original UFCs were bare knuckle as well too. That's right. And then they yep. started taping up their hands. So the reason why we have gloves, you know the reason why we have gloves? It's not for... Well, it's more to protect their hands, protect right? Protect their hands. Yeah. That's why, because the hands kept breaking. Like Keith Hackney, Keith Hackney broke his hand. He kept throwing his hand on... I forgot that guy. So he kept throwing it and he, and he broke... I think maybe Manuel Yarbrough. I don't remember his name. But he kept throwing it like that. And he broke his hand, but he couldn't continue that night for that fight. But that's one of the reasons. So they had to figure out something so that people stopped breaking their hands. So that's what the gloves are kind of for, mm -hmm. is to stop the guys from breaking their hands. So that started in the early UFC. So the early UFCs were pretty barbaric. Yeah. Then there was... Eye gouging. Yeah. And yeah. By and hair pulling. And and <laughs> then there was... Then, then it got a little bit better. Then better rules came in. And then there was also like... Valley Tudo fights, like jungle fights, and mm -hmm. these are pretty crazy fights, I mean, like in Brazil, right? <laughs> yeah. Then you know the Russians had their organizations and stuff too. So every 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 country would have some type of fighting going on. And then in Japan, they they came up with pride fighting, and and it was like wrestlers and a lot of work fights in the beginning. So That's like, right. So in the beginning, it was like so it was kind of like a lot of fixed fights, and eventually, then the fights weren't getting fixed, and there were some pretty brutal fights. But you're allowed to soccer kick on the ground, like the fights were like pretty nasty, and. The UFC, and then those are 10-minute first rounds. Right. First round are 10-minute, then the second round is five-minute, right? So you'd have to go 10-minute, then five, and then maybe another five. So the UFC had five, five, and five, so you'd be able to see, like, clean fights. But you were saying that you don't have enough time to set up your grappling. That's what, like, yeah, just, just as an outside observer, that's the one thing that I kind of have been thinking about as far as grappling. Mm -hmm. Where I'm like, five minutes is a really short period of time to do because grappling takes it's yeah it's it, times to set it up yeah right? it takes time you know it's it's not something it's not like striking mm -hmm. where you can literally go night night in 0.2 seconds right mm -hmm. like it's just you're hit you're done it's over grappling is a little bit more right it's like a souffle right <laughs> yeah so, so if you just have grappling like two high level grapplers so grappling timing you know times go from like five minute rounds you know white belt then it goes six minute rounds, then it goes seven minute rounds eight minute rounds and black belt you got 10 minute rounds right so these are super fights you get longer rounds depending on who your opponent is depending on the rule set that you're in and even in 10 minutes you, you in the greatest grapplers you get draws you know, you get like right. stales or you get like, you know, overtime rounds. And even in the greatest grapplers in, in 10 minutes, you get real quick submissions and stuff, right? But what changes in MMA is that it's not just grappling. It's not just people staring at each other, making eye contact and looking at each other. Nothing's going on stalling. There's striking going on in MMA, which helps set up the submission. So instead of just looking and not being able to do much for grappling wise, you can punch the guy, elbow him, you know, knee him in the face. 
then that'll break him down. That'll get him disconnected for a split second that then he can help you slap up your submission. Mm -hmm. That's how you set up your submission. You want to smash the guy a bunch where he basically gives you something because he wants out of the fight. Not where you're trying to steal a submission right off the bat. You want to take it when it's available for you. So you want to pound the guy out or hurt him where the submission is a lot easier for you to finish. Then, to, rather than fight it as someone that's really strong and capable right now, that's full of energy. It's going to be very difficult to finish, especially a guy that's been training high level. He's ready for this shit. You got to almost take him out and then finish him. Right. That's why MMA is MMA. And well, and especially too, like just reflecting back on the the, the framework for like the 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 dimension of it. First one, effective grappling, effective striking. Right. Yep. Okay. So if that's the primary dimension, then mm -hmm. if you think about it. Uh, what's a good example? Okay, George, when he beat uh, GSP, when he beat Bisbing for the title. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what round it was, but he's... Choked he, him out. Yeah, but he was beating him. Yep. Beating him, beating him, beating him, got him down, hopped on the back, boom, choked him out. Mm -hmm. So in that instance, the, the grappling was like 10 seconds worth of grappling. Mm -hmm. So that's not a very long <laughs> period of time, but it was super effective. And I mean, he got the finish. But yeah, so I guess it, it and, does and, make sense in that George context, knew, right? Because they trained together. George knew already where, where his strengths were against his guy. Of course, and yeah. And they, and they knew each other. And that was a good fight for George because George knew that he, if he was on this guy's back. Mm -hmm. And he knew that that was Bisping's weakness at that time was takedown defense, right? And, and Bisping was a striker before. And even though he got a lot better, but George's wrestling was just a little bit too much for him that mm -hmm. time, right? So yeah, that was the game plan. And George took him down and George tapped him out. Yeah. Because you see that often where, where it'll be, even the, the last fight card, I don't even remember who was fighting. It was a prelim fight. It was a good fight. And uh, it was a Canadian, uh, Canadian woman from, I think she's from Ontario, Quebec. But it's sort of the same thing. Like she was doing good with the striking, knocked, the, knocked her opponent down, kind of was on top of her, and then just pulled out an arm bar. It was really good. And then got the tap and the tap won the fight. Right. And yeah. it, was, you know, it was really good in that way. So effective enough to get the the finish but I, and i guess then in that context like let's just say because right my whole th theory was oh there's not enough time well okay using that then you you hit her a bunch she gets knocked down she goes for the arm bar but time runs out but she and she's almost got it or let's say she does have it she just didn't have enough time to finish it well she still would score on effective grappling because she cinched it in she got it she was reefing on the arm well it depends right so the referee's job and the judge's job also to be professionals, they have to know the validity of the submission. And when right. it is real submission, when it's a danger, and when it's a bullshit submission, and when it's a catch, and then how to grade that. Mm -hmm. So you'll have to look. Like like I said, if you have me in an armbar and my arm is bent and I'm just looking at you, punching you, it may look to the to the average Joe that fuck, that's an armbar, you're about to tap him out, right? And then to the judges, if they score it like that, and even it's not, it's going to be bad for the fighter, right? Mm -hmm. So most judges already know that that's not an arm bar. Now, when the arm is extended and you flip me and I fall to my back, then you know that I've changed positions from being on top of you to now being on my back. Now you know there was a validity to that arm bar because I changed position. So you're going to grade it a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So you have to know for a choke, if the guy is just sitting there not doing nothing, or if it's then you grade that a little bit higher. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You look at the person's body mechanics, the way the way he's moving and what he's telling you if it's a worth the uh, value high value submission just like a punch i could be jabbing you not doing nothing all of a sudden i land a right hand it drops you it's a high value punch so you can see based on the mechanics and what's in front of you uh, the value of that strike or submission mm -hmm. and that's why you let professionals do professional work yeah because you have to see <laughs> you gotta it. gauge that and, yeah, and you have to know right. how to break that submission when that submission is on when the guy taps 
especially in armbar, you don't want to hyperextend it even more while the guy's getting mm-hmm. submitted. You want to be able to understand how to, un- like the referee has to know how to unravel the armbar. Right. So he has to know how to do fucking jujitsu. The referee has to know how to unravel the heel hook. So he has to know how to take the heel out when the guy's, take the heel out when the guy's yeah. a, the leg lock on him so he won't blow his leg out, not put pressure where he blows his knee out. So the referee has to know how to unravel each submission to get the guy out of the submission or not to let him down, get more further damage. And not just how to get, get the, the fighter out of that position, under high stress circumstances yeah. is in the middle of a fight like this isn't just oh Aaron, let me help you out like this is like all the pressure full speed like holy crap you know <laughs> like, like even taking, it's, it's taking a lot the, going on taking the triangle off the guy's legs you have to know how to rip the legs off mm-hmm. so the guy won't get choked right out to sleep on on air yeah doesn't look good right yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah um, but we got a few minutes left sure so with that time i just kind of had a general question for you go for it um as far as just your experiences as a fighter, as a coach, judge, ref, like just the ins and outs of, of the fight game, what, have, what are some observations that you have seen about just fighters in general over the past few years? Because it, it seems like, I mean, we kind of talked about it indirectly, obviously the skill and the, the number of highly skilled people and the level of skill that they're reaching is, you know, growing and growing because continue to learn and push and progress but just kind of curious just like your overall observations of that of just like the martial artists like now yeah yeah so my overall observation um just being in in this industry for so many years and also being like a professional referee and being like close to all like a lot of the fighters uh, man i would say like what we have here in bc we got fucking a lot of studs here a lot of high level fighters and nobody like not not a lot of the camps here are taking it easy they're training like hard they're waking up they're going for runs they're taking the shit seriously the amateurs in bc are taking it like they're professionals so people in bc are not to be slept on and the sad thing about it is bc has like so many high level fighters you're like high level boxers high level kickboxers high level muay thai fighters high level mma amateur and professional we have high level fighters here but the saddest thing about it here is that team bc has to take out team bc we got to fight each other right that's the saddest part is the two local studs that are up and growing and both of these guys are fucking damn good and i gotta ref these guys and they're both fucking good i know one of these guys is gonna take an l why not just to bring two guys from Alberta or bring two guys from Washington, let these two guys make it, you know what I mean? Like, it's just sad that, um, I know it's, it's, it's easy for me to say that, but there's a lot of money involved for the promoters and other stuff as well too, right? But, you know, like it's sad for me to see all these real high level local guys get taken out by, you know, guys that they train with also, their training partners. Right. You know, yeah. because they train together and like, fuck, you know, offer me a fight then, you know, otherwise you're not going to fight and they take it. And, you know, they knock each other down, you know, they knock each other down to the next level. And then the other guy goes up, then he fights another local guy, and that guy goes down. You know, it's, this is what's been going on. I like to see, you know, more guys from out of town coming and fighting our guys, you know, more than anything. Our, our local guys are studs. I can't say nothing about it. As a referee, as a judge, I, I can't wait to go to the fight night because I know a lot of these guys have leveled up and I just want right. to see it. And then I also know the guys who aren't leveling up. I can also tell by some of the guys who aren't leveling up based on maybe their coaching or maybe the people they're, you know, they're, they're spending time with. Or I can tell the next time they're in the ring. And then I'll tell guys after they're fought and, and, and I'm fucking shocked. Like this weekend I had a refereed fight and I told one, the main event, I said, buddy, you leveled up from the last time I refereed you. And he told me, he's like, yeah, I took some time off. And can you tell him like, dude, I can tell big time. Well done. I told him he won the belt too. It was the main event. And you know, you know, I can tell when guys level up and then you can tell when guys are stagnant. You know what I mean? So 
Yeah. It's cool to see it, and I'm sure as well, like being, a, and you kind of just said it, like being a ref, like being in there, that must be a really cool experience too. Like, cause you, you, you've, you've played every role, right? Like you've been in the, in the cage fighting, you've been outside coaching, training, you're in there judging and, and refereeing. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Oh, I love it, man. And, and I used to pay, you know, first I was getting paid to fight. Then I was paying to watch the fighters. Now I'm back in there. Now I'm not paying anyone. More. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is the, I got the best seats in the house, you know, more than anything. I, I love the fight game. It's not like I'm going to go anywhere. Any way I can be part of it. Uh, I love to be part of it. Cause I like watching fights. And if I'm not there at the fights, I'm going to order the fights. You know, I just love the fights more than anything. And if I can learn from it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy. That, that makes my day is learning. Mm -hmm. Well, I certainly learned a lot from you today and always fun coming in and doing sessions and my knee's feeling better so we'll be, we'll be back at it we should record a session which is good oh come on, on no one yeah. needs to see that they gotta see, <laughs> see how bad it is no man they gotta see how good you are <laughs> jesus okay all right well yeah we'll st stay tuned for that then but thank you so much i had a great time thank you appreciate that thank you sir awesome and come down to clinch mma as well good stuff thank you sir all right awesome